Today on episode number 199 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Sierra Smith shares a student's perspective. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Today's guest is Sierra Smith. She is an undergraduate student at Vanguard University, studying communication with an emphasis in public relations. Sierra is a senior who will be graduating a semester early in December of 2018. Sierra is a commuter student who commutes over 30 miles each way to and from school. She attended her four years of high school in a collaborative 21st century learning environment. She currently works for a startup business as the marketing and communications manager and does a variety of side jobs. Side note, also for us, (laughs) which you'll hear about in just a minute. We are one of her many side jobs. She has a passion for learning and enjoys gaining new life experiences. Sierra, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. I am happy to be here. I feel like up front we should disclose a couple of things. Feel free to add in your own. (laughs) Sierra has been in one class of mine. She is not a major in the program that I teach in, but sometimes communication students come over and take a couple of my classes. So she's been in one of my classes, but we were talking, I feel like I know you better than other students I've had in just one class. We've stayed in touch. And then now, as you'll hear about on today's episode, she's been working on some undercover secret projects. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then also maybe one other thing just to mention real quick is that her sister also has been in a class of mine, but her sister is no longer at our institution. She has since graduated and gone on to her professional work and also pursuing her graduate degree. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her sister later, but she's not here with us right now. Yes. Anything else we should disclose? I <laughs> Any think conflicts that of interest? is it for now, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. We're going to have to go back in time now, Sierra. <laughs> How is college different than what you imagined it might be when you were in high school? I think that college actually is a lot more traditional than what I expected. So I came from, as you said earlier, a 21st century collaborative learning environment, and everything was very innovative there. And when I got to college, I had a lot of classes that were traditional in the sense of lecture, read the book, take an exam, and that was it. And it wasn't really anything very engaging. I mean, I've had really good experiences also in a few classes, but more traditional experiences than anything. So I think that was different than I expected. Yeah. And I always think about when we think about traditional, like, that this this kind of lecture approach has been going on since the medieval times with the yeah. great robes. And that wasn't necessarily what you experienced in high school. So just this disparity between, gosh, I thought maybe some of that would continue on. Yeah, and a lot less use of technology than I was used to in high school. I mean, we use technology a lot in our classrooms, but there have been a lot of classes where we don't use technology. And I thought that was really interesting. One of the things I like to do on the podcast is to give people a picture of something. And I wonder if you could give us a picture today of a class that really represents for you the best parts of what learning in college has to offer. Yes, I 
I absolutely love a class that allows for natural interactions with other students. So not just, I think a lot of times professors try to get interaction with students by saying, discuss these questions, but it's not very natural. So in your class, for example, when we would do the Quizlet games, that is a really natural thing where the students get together, we're playing these games, we're learning, we're retaining the information, but we're also naturally interacting with each other and getting to know each other. And I think that that is a great way to learn. And I think that your choose your own adventure style is awesome because I think students now, we really enjoy having a say in what we learn and how we learn. And I think it gives people agency and control in what they're learning. And then when when we have that agency in what we're learning, we care more and I think we retain the information more. And then in the end, we're done and we're proud of what we've learned. So I think that that is what represents the best parts of learning. I'm glad to hear you say that about the Quizlet game because I have wondered, and I guess for it's called Quizlet Live, so you can make flashcards in Quizlet. Anybody can, students can, the professor can. But then if you have a group of at least six people, then you can play a Quizlet Live. So you, you pull it up on your screen, the set of flashcards, and you say, I want to play Quizlet Live with this. And as long as a, enough, a minimum number of people signed into that game then you can play it. And one of the things I guess I've worried about sometimes is that I don't always hear the conversations. And I wonder, like, are people getting left out? Because everybody has a set of answers on their mobile phones. But mm-hmm. only one person in this group of two or three or four people, only one of those people actually has the right answer. So it's funny because you watch a class of people playing it. People do sit closer together. Everyone's Mm -hmm. leaning in. But then I wonder, like, is there opportunities where people might be left out by groups? But so I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, no, I think that was something that really stuck out to me from that class and just getting to know the other students in my class better. And after doing that would be like, hey, do you want to study after this class? Or, oh, like you really knew this concept really well. Let's talk about it more. I didn't really understand it. So I thought it was a great way to naturally get students to interact with each other and interact with the content of the class. I was trying to remember how I incorporated Choose Your Own Adventure because I've tried, <laughs> I've experimented with it for years now, and I'm sure I make, still make mistakes now and try new things. But I think this was more where there was a series of development opportunities, and you got to choose of a series of maybe I had three to five choices per. That is correct. I think yeah. there were four or five assignments, and then each one had three to five options that you could choose on how you wanted to complete that assignment. In other classes, I know I fail in terms of what would be known as student-to-student interaction. And especially I teach in a doctoral program, and that's an area of weakness where they end up relying on me so much to provide them with information. And I I do try to help instill more of a sense of self-directed, but I'm thinking maybe I need to start playing Quizlet Live with them (laughs) or something just to build, you know, some more of those relationships and a sense of community. Yeah. Well, so we've, we've heard a little bit about what a class looks like when it represents the best parts. Now on this one, I want to hear about a class that you took that really represents the worst of what learning or not learning in Mm -hmm. this case has to offer. And of course, we're not going to be mentioning anything too specific about it just to protect people's confidentiality. Yeah, I think a class where a professor comes in and they read off paragraphs from a PowerPoint for 50 minutes And then that is it. I think those are the worst kinds of classes. Maybe it's my learning style. I think that most students do not really retain information very well. And it's frustrating because 
sometimes it's I feel like it's very non-productive when a professor comes in and they lecture for 50 minutes from paragraphs off a PowerPoint because I could have done that at home. They could have sent me the PowerPoint and I could have read it or I could have just read the material in the book. And I think it's not the best use of class time. I think that during class time, we should be reiterating information that we already know so that we retain the information. So I think that's kind of the worst example. And I really do not like when professors don't use the learning management system. I think learning management systems are a great tool and it helps both the professor and the students be organized and kind of give clear guidelines as to what's expected for the semester, along with the syllabus, of course. Yeah, it's frustrating when professors don't use learning management systems. What are sort of the core things that when they're not there, you, you see as like, this is the biggest value that the LMS has. And so it's when it's not there, I really miss this. I think scheduling and just, I understand I've had professors that use the learning management system and they prefer that we turn in papers hard copies rather than on. And I understand that I just like having all of my classes in one place where I can visually see like what I have going on that week, what's on my calendar, all of those sorts of things. So if a professor doesn't use the learning management system, I have to take the extra time to create a calendar for myself, basically, where I have everything in one place. Yeah, it's one of those things where even if it's 75% there, it's better than nothing. <laughs> then there's still 25% that's missing that you do have to fill in the gap. Mm-hmm. And most LMSs will affect everyone I know of. You can create your own calendar items. So you could replace then that fourth class, if you will, mm-hmm. in the LMS. But then you leave opportunities for mistakes or even the professor changes a date and you don't catch it because mm-hmm. it's the calendar item that you made yourself and you have to remember to go change it. So yeah, it's definitely the benefit of a learning management system is really lost when 100% of the people aren't at least putting dates in there, like when tests are and papers are due and all that. Yeah. And I know a lot of professors are sometimes scared of using the learning management system because they've never done it before. But I just recommend just getting your feet wet, starting somewhere, you know, getting it in there because it's really helpful for students. And I think that in the end, it's really helpful for professors also. So we talked a little bit earlier that you've been working on some secret projects for us. And I have shared about the project, but just not your involvement in it. And that is that very shortly, very, very shortly, as people are listening to this, the first 200 episodes of Teaching in Higher Ed will have transcripts that are available for all of them. And this is something you've been working on for 10 months? Yeah, a little under a year now. It started out where you had uh, some units that you needed that were just general ed units and had asked if I could be your TA. It was a little bit weird because normally someone in a different discipline couldn't mm-hmm. even be a TA if you wanted to. But since it was general ed, just any kind of elective you could have taken, underwater basket weaving <laughs> and that kind of stuff, we kind of made up our own class, but it fell under that. that. But I, I knew you were interested in marketing and social media And then as we'll share about in a little while, you really have a heart for this kind of work too, the Mm -hmm. transcript. So it was just fun to have you along for the adventure. And you were so good at it that we not only had you for those units, but ended up paying you over and above that to work and and do those transcripts. And so I'm so excited. I did want to just mention that the first 200 episodes of transcripts are made possible by a generous contribution from the Teaching and Learning in Higher Education book series from West Virginia University Press. And this is a series of books that's edited by James L. Lang, and it offers compact books from great writers who provide you 
with practical guidance that you need to help students learn and succeed. And so in every couple, two, three months, we'll be having one of the authors of a book from that series come and talk. And I'm just super excited about their support and really thank them. And so here's my question for you. We're back to that. <laughs> We're back to That's that awesome. portion of the show. You have listened to, or you've read transcripts for, mm -hmm more episodes than most of the teaching in higher ed listeners ever have, unless some people do go all the way back to the beginning, but mm -hmm. you've definitely have your share of it. And, and you went all the way back to June of 2014 from the very beginning. If you had to narrow down what you wish professors would learn from listening to these podcasts to a single lesson, which I know is a, oh impossible <laughs> to ask, what would you want that lesson to be? I think that the biggest lesson to be learned is that what you put into an experience is what you get out of it. And so as professors, I think the more time and attention you put into teaching your classes and just working on becoming a better professor, I think that it'll work out better for you as a professor and your students will really notice the care that you're taking for the classes. And one of the way people can do that is also listening to all those podcasts. Yes, there are so them. many interesting things that I have learned through this podcast that I did not know. So I think definitely go back and listen if you have the time. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your sister, Cassie. My sister, Cassie, she is 23 years old. So she graduated last year with her bachelor's in accounting and she will be graduating this August with her master's. We are very excited for her. She is also profoundly deaf, which literally means she can hear nothing. And she received a cochlear implant at the age of three on one ear. Now with technology, they're able to do two ears on way younger children, but she has it on one ear. And I know that we could spend an entire episode, if not multiple <laughs> episodes on the topic, but I, I know you had a chance to have some conversations with her since she's not with us today, but like, what are some of the few low-hanging fruits for how we as professors can do better than we're doing now when we have someone in our class who is deaf or has some kind of hearing loss? Yeah, well, I talked to her about this actually this morning, and she gave me a few really good pointers. So one is that when you're speaking and lecturing, make sure to always face the students so that they can see your face. She said that not all deaf students can read lips very well, but body language is very important. So they can kind of puzzle together what's going on in the class. Most deaf students are also very visual. So if you have PowerPoints or if you're writing on the board, those things can go a long way for them because it's, connect again, connecting the pieces of what you're saying, what's going on in the classroom. And she said that it's very difficult when a professor just lectures with nothing, which I think that's difficult for everyone, especially a deaf student. So if you have, she said, if you have PowerPoint slides or just your own personal lecture notes, if you could share those with the student, that that's always a plus. And then she also said that when a student asks a question, it's really helpful if the professor repeats the question to the class before responding to the question, just so that it reiterates what is being asked and then they can clearly understand what the answer is and what you're, what you're exactly you're answering. As, as you're sharing these, thing, <laughs> these things, Sierra, I'm like grading myself of like, yep, yep, oh no. <laughs> You lost me on the repeating the question. Oh, I wish I would have known that before I had her in a class. I I had some students who, oh no, it was a student in a class at another university who was deaf. 
it was different though because she had translators with her mm-hmm. and so i wouldn't have to remember or even know about the repeating the question because the translators because were doing that i mean yeah. yeah so i kind of got i didn't wasn't able to get as grasp a good of a grasp in tell meeting Cassie. And one of the things that is just wonderful is I know I made all kinds of mistakes with her. <laughs> she taught me so much, but that I was open to feedback and open to the spirit of how can I make her learning experience as good as it can be and and really support her in her learning. So even though I'm listening, I'm going, oh no, I probably didn't do that very well for her. In fact, we have another story too that I, I suspect you're probably too polite to share, but <laughs> in her class, I distinctly remember that I would have them listen to episode one of the startup podcast. And so since I knew that she would need, because she couldn't read my lips, mm-hmm. it's a podcast. So we pulled it up on YouTube. A lot of times they'll have podcasts that are on YouTube and then use the tra- the captions that are in YouTube. And you and I both know they're horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could be a lot better. <laughs> I guess they've made some improvements in their technology, including crowdsourcing some of the captions, but or the making of the captions, but it still was pretty bad. And it became just comical. Actually, the class would get distracted a little bit because they were so bad. Mm-hmm. You'd want to like watch for the next one so you could so laugh. So you could catch the bad <laughs> Yeah, I wish mistakes. I, could, I wish I could remember some of those. Speaking of the bad, though, on the transcripts for the episodes of Teaching in Higher Ed, you found some doozies, too, that we yes. won't be sharing on. I wanted to share too. My sister told me that her last piece of advice was just to be sensitive to Mm -hmm. your students hearing situation and not to point it out to the class unless you have spoken to the student before and asked them for their permission to share that. My sister's pretty confident about her hearing situation. She knows that that's who she is. And, you know, it's just another thing. But We know a lot of other people who aren't as confident in that and they get embarrassed or upset by people acknowledging it. So I know sometimes it can be distracting when there is a interpreter or a captioner in the class. But before saying, hey, you might have noticed there's this random person in the class that is interpreting. We have a deaf student just making sure that you let that student know that you're going to be sharing that with the class before you do so. Yeah. And talking about what the right what their comfort level is with that and how they how they would like to be. In fact, you mentioned something that Cassie often did in her classes in terms of even how she would present herself to the professor. Yeah. So my sister, we were talking this morning and she was telling me that she will make it a point to go up to her professor the first class meeting and just say, hi, I'm Cassandra. Just have a normal conversation with them. And then the second class meeting is when she goes up to them and she lets them know, hey, I have a hearing loss. I just want to let you know I'm going to have a captioner or just whatever they need to know for the class. Is there anything you need from me? And she does that just to make sure that the the first meeting, they understand that she can talk and she's not this, she doesn't have this issue, I guess you could say. She can talk. She can understand what you're saying. You don't need to change anything you're doing, but just to give them a heads up the second time around that she has a hearing loss. And sadly, I know you said some people will slow their speech way down and over exaggerate and it really translates as condescending yes it does and i was talking to our other friend who's also deaf and she was saying that sometimes she feels when she shares with a professor that she's deaf that they think that she is not able to learn as quickly as other people and she that's not it at all it's just sometimes they're missing little pieces of what is actually being said but they work just as hard if not harder than other students in the class and it's just making sure that they are not missing anything verbally that's going on in the class. 
One of the things I think is so important is just checking in with people regularly. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we are going to make mistakes. I think for me, if I just try to be perfect, then I won't take the kinds of risks that I might want to take as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So then just trying to build up the trust and the open lines of communication and going out of my way to to do that. And that's what I did enjoy about having Cassie in a class because then <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm here. When I do make a mistake, I want to hear from you yeah. and I want, you know, I want to be involved in supporting you and your learning however I can. So, well, let's talk about a little bit more about the transcription project, because of course, not only did you have an interest in working on this kind of work so that you could have something for your LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. and for your resume, because it's a professional project and you can point to it, you know, you'll have... Mm -hmm evidence of a great deal of work, but it also was near and dear to your heart. So that's yes. always so fun. to have. And even I think you surprised me too, because you had said, I thought, okay, good. She, she has a heart for this. This will make the podcast more accessible so it can get out there to more people. Yes, she can get some marketing communication experience and professional experience. But then there was even more to it than that, that I think you took away that totally surprised me. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like? You know, what, what were you, as you started going through them, you, you really would communicate back to me, like you're getting all <laughs> kinds of things out of it. Yeah. Um, first of all, it was a really special experience just because as I shared about my sister, she's deaf and a lot of times things don't have transcriptions and they don't have subtitles or closed captioning and it's really difficult for her. So I'm just very excited to see how many different people are going to be able to benefit from these transcriptions, but also just through, I have a passion for learning, as I said before, and I've always thought about maybe teaching and I'm still not really sure right now what I'm going to do, but there have just been so many different things throughout the podcast that I've heard that just make me very passionate. And I'm, I get excited because I, I hear these things and I'm like, yes, I would love to do that in a class one day. And so it's been special for me. You had been sharing with me at one point about being disappointed in a class. I'm pretty sure it was last mm -hmm. semester, but it doesn't really matter when it was. <laughs> and it was in a particular discipline. And I'm not going to say what discipline it is because I don't want to be specific. But I laughed so hard because you were about to tackle an episode that was one of <laughs> a really recent one. And I was like, you know, maybe you better hold off. Yes. <laughs> episode because just seeing what's possible out there yes and after listening to that episode I was even more frustrated than I was before <laughs> because I was like wow people can really do a lot with this subject this field and that was not my experience unfortunately but you live and you learn Earlier today, I was interviewing someone for the podcast, and my lack of knowledge about this entire discipline just shone so brightly on the podcast, <laughs> and I was having flashbacks to, you know, professors, teachers in that area that I could have learned so much more, and I don't want to yeah. take, you know, zero responsibility for it, but I just, when you see professors and teachers that can ignite our curiosity. Yeah, it could be so interesting. Yes. Is and it could be so exciting, especially for people that aren't in the discipline because they're, you know, they don't know these things. So, yeah. From a technical standpoint, how did we create these transcripts? Did you just put on little headphones and <laughs> write up everywhere? You know, just typing away, <laughs> typing, typing away. my life away. <laughs> no, we actually use a transcription service online. Am I allowed to? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we use a transcription service called Trent. And basically you upload the audio files and it transcribes it for you. But there are, as we found, <laughs> technology is not perfect, yes. even though we sometimes wish it was. And so when you guys see the transcriptions, it'll read like a script. 
And so I would go in and script it out of who was talking so that you can visually see who's talking. And then after that, I would go through the actual podcast conversations and make any edits to the transcription itself. And then we do a lot of editing after that to make sure they're hopefully as clear and accurate to what is actually being said in the podcast. The other thing that you do is you highlight things that you're not familiar with that you can't just yes. Google and it wasn't like clear. And I laugh yeah. so hard because depending <laughs> on the guest, some people like Gardner Campbell is one of the episodes I can remember off the top of my head. That man is brilliant. <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant, but I'll be darned. In fact, I couldn't even, I couldn't Google some of the things he referenced. So I did over Twitter. Yeah. And you have such a variety of guests <laughs> that there's a lot of different accents yes, that yes, are yes. also hard to transcribe. So takes time and I would always pull up Google and try to figure out what people were referencing or titles of things and but yeah oh yeah and you're very good at it you're very good at it and it's usually if it gets to where you have to highlight it I probably <laughs> have to like go back to the person and be like who is this again I'm not familiar with this name and we can't find it or whatever so when the transcripts are live people are gonna go to teaching in higher ed com to whatever episode it is, they'll see the transcripts that Sierra was just describing. And then there also will be a PDF because when we started talking with, or I should say even emailing out, asking what people really wanted, that was really the two essential things. I want something on screen and the on screen not only helps make it accessible, but it also makes the search engine optimization such that more people may be able to discover the show because they're searching and now those web crawlers have crawled through all those transcripts. And hopefully we can get more listeners for the show. And then other people might want to download a PDF if they want to use it in a class, if they are using it for accessibility reasons, although screen readers could read the transcript on the page. I mean, it just depends on what somebody wants to to do with it. But yeah, there'll, there'll be those two options for it. Yeah. And it's also helpful if you're, I know a lot of people listen to podcasts on their commute, but if you have it in front of you kind of as notes, I think it'll be helpful for that too. As, as I've been listening. going back, cause you, you do the first run. Well, you do the run after Trent does it. And then I come back and I'm just like, it's a different way of taking in the information mm -hmm. and it's, it's really fun someday. And this is just for people listening someday. I'd really love to also do what Kathy Linder does with her podcasts or at least the research in action podcast is have a discussion guide available too. And that's probably something I would need a team of volunteers to help me. <laughs> because That would be another huge project, but that would be really fun to be able to have people if it's a faculty development effort, they can listen to the podcast together and then and then have these discussion questions or a discussion guide to use. I think that would be the, the, sort of a fun next mm -hmm. project in five or 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as I mentioned, people won't have listened to as many episodes as you have in all likelihood, Sierra. What are a couple of episodes or guests that stood out to you as imperative that professors listen to and learn from and help make us more effective at facilitating learning? I absolutely loved episode 110 with Robert Talbert, and it was about self-regulated learning and the flipped classroom. I just felt that he really articulated himself well and articulated what self-regulated learning and the flipped classroom do. So I would suggest that one. I also enjoyed the episode. I think it was just you, Bonnie, mm -hmm. when you talked about your syllabus. Mm. I'm not sure if you had guests on that one or not. 
But I enjoyed that one because I, being the maybe future professor one day, I saved syllabi that I enjoy from classes that I've had in the past. And so I just, I really enjoyed that episode because you talked about how you build out your syllabus and... I'm cracking up because I did not know I ever had an episode. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I very much remember that episode. I don't remember what which episode or what title it was. I've got a blog post on five keys to an effective syllabus from 2010. Oh, wow. That if you had ever asked me if I wrote a blog post about... You would say no. I would <laughs> say no. And I'm sure if I went and looked at it, it probably wouldn't be that good. Well, I'm definitely going to have to go search out Yeah, and get that in the show notes. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a good search as good search is available, but I'm not sure I named the episode well enough. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Not, yes. not with everyone listening to us. We'll figure it out. And, and then another one was on the undercover professor, mm, oh. which I loved because I just think it's awesome that professors can be vulnerable and kind of put themselves in a student's perspective just to kind of see, you know, students have a lot going on also and just being cautious of that. So this episode, for anyone who didn't get a chance to listen to it, is 106. And like Sierra said, I would totally suggest Yeah, that people. one's awesome. So his name is Mike Cross, and he's a professor at Northern Essex Community College. And I sound like I know what I'm talking about, and it's just because <laughs> I searched for it. Because I didn't know, I didn't want to know what episodes Sierra was going to mention, so I wanted to be surprised. Yeah, this surprised. is all a surprise to her. <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, I think his name is Mike Cross, but I'm not going to say it out loud in case I'm remembering wrong. But no, it is Mike Cross. I love that episode, too, because he went undercover. He went yeah. back to school, essentially, and has just a whole different take as far as empathy and what it takes. And oh, it was I awesome. think it gives great perspective. And even if you don't do that, just learning from his experience is, I think, great. The other thing that I thought was so fun about his episode, it was less the core of it, but it was like the... It was like the dessert was he runs a Friday night game club <laughs> at his college and he had so many fun sounding games for us to try. It's a board game, yes. you know, group. And they're called the Bacon Board Gamers. So Very we should fun. all start a chapter in our own universities <laughs> of the Bacon Board Gamers. I totally love it. Were there any more? Those were the main ones, I think, that I really stuck out to me that I remembered. Awesome. And of course, we're not done yet, although you're close, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, and we actually this semester have had help too so there's an additional yes. person that's been on the team so you have you will not have listened to or read 100 although maybe who knows maybe you'll do that. actually you might huh maybe when i look over them <laughs> yes. yeah i take that we back gotta double and triple check just to make sure we we give the best yeah yeah well i was going to mention about trent by the way one thing that's a speed up i think it must have just changed because i don't remember this early on you if it if it doesn't put a period where a sentence should have been and you're going in and correcting it, you go put your cursor there, you press period, and it automatically capitalizes the next sentence. That I changed to that setting. Oh no! I, I found it like halfway through. Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. The other thing you did was put folders. So there, there's a whole workflow that we have where you look it over first, and then you put it in my folder, and then I look it over, I put it in the complete folder. So and I didn't even know it had I love folders. processes. So <laughs> yes, it's awesome. You've done Streamlining a little bit things is nice. You've also done some projects for my husband, Dave, with his podcast coaching for leaders. You've done some what would be survey called survey analysis yes qualitative analysis or survey analysis <laughs> and that's been 
so much fun to use your strengths in those areas too. So it's been just so much fun working with you and all this. After I had class with you, I was like, we work really well together. Maybe we can do something else. Yes, I love that. And actually, Andrew, who's our podcast editor, is a former student of more than 10 years ago. He just reminded me the other day. So it is so fun to meet such bright, curious, intelligent people and get to somehow keep working with them in some way. My, my husband, Dave, just met Sierra today when she came. She's actually sitting here. We're in the same room together, yes. which is not normal for the podcast. And he was so excited to meet you in person because it's all just been, I don't know if Over you've Over the been, phone okay. and email, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to have him meet And I've heard person. his podcast too. So when I met him in person, it's weird when you hear someone's voice <laughs> and you know their voice, but then you see them in the flesh. Yeah, I've had people at conferences that hear my voice from like just the table over, which is kind of embarrassing. Apparently I was talking too loud, (laughs) but they'll be like, I know your voice from somewhere. I can't figure out where I I can't place it. And in my Uh head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's probably what it is, but I don't want to, you don't want to be like, Oh, do you listen to my podcast? (laughs) Exactly. But it is one of those funny things where you're like, Bonnie, so it's me, it's me. Don't you know? Uh, let me just keep talking. Actually, they usually figure it out after I keep talking. But Well, this is the point in the show where we each get to make recommendations. And for the first time, I am recommending a piece of software that actually is a sponsor for today's episode. And one of the things, this is new for us. It started, as I mentioned, with the Transcripts Project, the generous contribution from the Teaching and Learning and Higher Education book series. And when I was contacted by Screencast-O-Matic, I decided, you know what, that is a product that I would recommend anyway. It is a product I had not used in years and went back to it and thought, oh my gosh, you have done some amazing changes with this technology. So it's something I would have done anyway. It is nice to have support for the show so that we're able to pay for Andrew's, you know, coffee habit. I'm kidding. I actually don't even know if Andrew drinks coffee, but pay for some of the podcast editing, the hosting and other costs. So we're very excited about that. But again, it is something I would have recommended anyway. So Screencast-O-Matic is a screencasting tool and you want to record video of something on your monitor, on your screen. You pull it up and it's just super easy to get started and press record You can toggle back and forth between your webcam so they can see your face or they can see whatever you're recording, whether it's software you're demoing or a PowerPoint slide you're showing, keynote slide. And then it also has editing capabilities too that really put that production value and allow you to cut the video down, add effects, add titles. I mean, it's just really a very full featured application, but at the same time, it doesn't take that long to get started and get learned. And it really, I wrote a post about what I look for in a good screencasting application. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about what criteria I use and why I think it's a great option for people. So that Screencast-O-Matic is my recommendation today. I've been using it a ton. (laughs) Yes, and I asked you recently for a screen recording service and you sent that to me and it worked great. It really does. And the yeah. free plan, the free plan lets That's you record. It's funny that you're recommending it on the yeah. episode that I'm on. <laughs> Surprise. 15 minutes you can record for free, their free version. It doesn't have the editing capabilities, but it'll get you started. Yeah. And it'll get it's you helpful. a little helpful. test. Yeah. And then if you want a little bit more of the capabilities, then you can, and that very reasonable pricing too, so you can sign up for I that. I actually used Screencast-O-Matic to show a professor how to use the learning management system. <laughs> this semester. <laughs> so that's really funny. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. I, did, I had forgotten that you'd asked me yeah. that. Yeah, that's funny. Because it was weird. 
it happened all of a sudden. I just got boom, boom. A whole mm-hmm. bunch of people started asking me, and I was like, I have the perfect solution. I know. I was like, <laughs> who would know? Bonnie, she would know. I've got it. <laughs> what do you have to recommend for us today? So I, my recommendation is a video. As I mentioned before, I went to a 21st century collaborative learning environment. And so this video is on the school's website, and the school is Crossroads Christian Schools. And basically the goal of the 21st century learning environment is to develop a poised, articulate, confident individual who is committed to giving back to the communities they belong to. There is a whole video, it's about three minutes and 30 seconds, and it just gives the explanation of kind of the environment that I was in. And I think that there is a lot to learn from, even though it's a high school, for higher education there's so much yeah there's so much crossover and there should be so much crossover yes. there, there could be even so much more we could be molding and shaping between i mean it's not i always laugh like it's two months between when you finish your senior yeah. year in high school and you go into college for some people not everybody but i mean just what we can learn from each other i'm, I'm so excited to see it yeah it's a great video and i think it explains very well the 21st century learning environment and what aspects can be pulled from it Sierra, I want to thank you so much for your time today. And I mean, your time these last 10 months. And it's just been an absolute joy getting to have you come on the show. We were joking about it's embarrassing, but you're the first student who's been on the podcast. So I hope the first of many, because I do think you have such a good perspective and we need to have more voices from students. Thank you for being the first. Yes. Thank you for having me. It shouldn't have been since episode 199, but you know, who's counting besides (laughs) you and me? (laughs) trying to finish all this well thank you all for listening again thanks to sierra smith for joining me on today's episode if you have yet to subscribe to the teaching in higher ed podcast and you're listening to this off your computer your life can be so much better than that go to your phone (laughs) go to your tablet find the podcast app that's probably already there and you don't even realize it and hit the subscribe button and some of your friends aren't listening because they think listening to podcasts is hard pick up your friend's phone with their permission, of course, and hit that subscribe button to show them how easy it is to get these weekly episodes coming into their queue and getting to learn from people like Sierra, from other people in other disciplines that might inspire you and also people that have a lot in common with you. So take a listen and get your friends listening too. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.